You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to James chapter 5. To James chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. And uh, forgive me if I get used to holding the mic again. It's been a while. So uh, let me just say this to you. It is good to see you, church. It is always good to be with you, to worship with you, to hear your voices lifted, to sing along with you to our Savior. It is always good to be together. And uh, as we were planning this series out several months ago, and we were trying to think about maybe how we would kind of put this together Uh, What was on our hearts as we were working together, some of the staff kind of thinking through that, uh, we were thinking about Easter Sunday in particular and thinking about those who come back to the faith family when they maybe haven't been around in a while. And we think about all those who uh, have been brought up in the faith, who walked away from it for a long time or a short time. And we were thinking about how our hearts are so prone to wander. And that's where this series developed out of, was thinking about how we are prone to wonder at all times, that our hearts are idle factories and that we continually find things to take up that worship in our lives. And we constantly have to be moved by the Holy Spirit to set our eyes back on Jesus. And so as we were preparing for that, the last passage that we kind of worked through in the series is the one we'll be in today in James chapter 5. And I want you to see that this passage is one that is for us, not just to think about, the first three were more about how we wander. And it was about how we wander away from our Father, how we wander away from uh, listening to the Holy Spirit, how we wander away from church as we're younger and grow up a little bit. All these different ways that some that are outside, some inside might understand, might resonate with, so that we could see how we turn our eyes back to the Lord because He has chased us down and pursued us. And this particular one is more so about what we do as the church when people we love wander, when people we care about, when people that our hearts are tuned toward wander away from the faith or wander away from the faith family. And so we ended up in James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. It's a short passage. It's one that I think the Lord is going to use to move in our hearts today. We should always expect that, right? It's the word of the Lord. It never returns void. This is something God wants to prick our hearts with and change us today. So I pray that you will look at it in an attitude of prayer with me as we unpack it. So let me just begin by praying once more for us that the Lord would guide us through this passage. Father, I am a man who wanders often in my heart, and you were so gracious and kind to lead me back to you continually. Lord, I pray that as we look into your word, that as others gather with us here or online, that they too might have wandering hearts and that we might see your grace and your mercy toward us, that we might respond in loving you because you first loved us. I pray you would open our hearts and our minds to hear and understand your words today, that we would be not only impacted by them, but changed. For Lord, you're the one who can change us. That we might be changed so that we look more and more like Jesus who sought us out when we were wandering, even while we were enemies towards you, Father. So it would help us to become more like Jesus today. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let me read it one more time. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's unpack it a little bit. In the beginning here, we see the words, my brother. This is James finishing a letter to the dispersion, to those Christians who have been cast out all over the known world. This is a letter that might have gone to a particular congregation at first, but was intended for a larger audience. It's one where the last half of the letter is summed up in his conclusion here. It's not just a, um, a final address or a doxology that we see in some letters in the New Testament. This is one where he sums it up and kind of gives an admonition to the church and he looks at us first and says, my brothers, because he's looking at the church, other Christians would love. And he looks at the church and he says, if anyone among you, talking about those of the faith, those of the local body, those of the church, if any of them among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's take a moment and unpack who he's not talking about and who he is talking about and who he's talking to and who he's not talking to. He's not talking about people that are false teachers here. That could be included in this, but specifically it looks like what he's talking about is that just those folks that are normally a part of the faith family who are, who are now stepping away for whatever reason, who maybe are stepping away in thought or in action and not even physically yet, but definitely who are wandering from the truth. We can understand this idea of wandering because it could be wandering or straying. That word can mean straying. To actively stray away from the truth can mean doctrinally, that they're not agreeing with something about the scriptures as they had it then. This was probably written somewhere maybe in the 40s A.D., knowing what we know historically about James, the brother of Jesus, knowing about when he would write this, knowing that some things aren't in the letter that should have been in there if it was later on, probably. So this is really close to the resurrection of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. We know that he's writing this. There's a lot of conflict going on in the church that he's writing about. If you go back in your homework assignment, as always, is to read the entirety of this letter and to see the fullness of what's going on. But there's some conflict going on, and he's summing it up at the end by saying there are going to be some who wander from the truth. Doctrinally, maybe they don't believe something anymore, like Hymenaeus and Alexander, who were talked about by Paul to Timothy, saying that they left the faith, they left the good conscience, and they walked away, and that he actually, with those false teachers, had cast them out in hopes that they would turn back. But these folks here are just they're normal average Joes in the church, right? people who are struggling with some truth, maybe. Or it could be that it's not a doctrinal thing, that it's not a gospel thing necessarily to believe, but it's more that they've wandered or strayed from the truth by their behavior or conduct. We see the same kind of thing talked about when Paul talks about Cephas or Peter in Galatians 2.14 where he says, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, 
I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Jew and not like, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you face or force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So he's saying, you can walk in such a way, you can have behavior in such a way that is swerving from the truth and that you are wandering from the truth by your conduct. So we're not exactly sure it could encompass all those. I imagine it does because James, if you don't know much about the scriptures, this this letter from James is a lot about the practical natures of being a Christian. It talks about things to believe and things to do, and those two must align. And so as we see this here, he says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And I'm going to give you five pieces to this today. And so let me start off with the first one, which is a big one. We see it here in the brotherly love communicated from James, and we see it here in the way that he talks about it in verse 20. But this is the the point here. This whole thing, the entirety, should move us as Christians, all of us, to do what we can to bring back the wanderers. Look at what he says. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's how we are to love one another. So that's the first thing you've got to do. If you're going to become a pursuer of those who wander, the first thing is we must make sure that our heart is in the right place. We must make sure that we are in a place where we can love those who have wandered the way that Christ has loved us when we were wandering. So let us love the wanderer. And by the way, when it says here, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, someone, see that word, if someone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. He's not talking to the pastors. He's not talking to just the leaders of the church. He's talking to anybody that will listen, anybody that would hear this message in the church, anybody that would hear this that's a Christian. If someone would bring them back, it's a hopeful statement. I know that some of you have people in your lives that you've known for years that have not been walking in the faith, who may have grown up in it, who may have heard the gospel, who may have professed faith at VBS when they were young, who may have walked the walk for a long time but walked away, or people that recently have done so. All of us have people that have wandered away from the faith or wandered away from our faith family. And all of us have a responsibility as those who have been sought out and pursued in our wanderings by Jesus to be brought into his family. We all bear the responsibility, and James is talking to all of us here. Grant Osborne One of the commentators I was reading in my study had a really great statement, and I just want to read it for you. He says this, The restoration ministry of a truly biblical church is a wondrously effective part of the church's work and is desperately needed today. James's epistle is asking for a church that is intimately and lovingly involved with each other, encouraging and challenging one another in the Christian life, and exercising vigilance to know when one of the flock is straying and in danger of falling into serious error and then into apostasy. Right before this, he gives some other instructions about how we do this. To love someone, you've got to make sure that your heart's in the right place, right? And that means you're not going to be grumbling with them. He says it in James 5.9. He says these words, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. 
And when you look at this passage, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering, listen, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's almost a direct quote from Proverbs 10, 12 that says this, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Now, what James is alluding to here is not just our love for one another that covers offenses towards us, but James is alluding to the covering of iniquity that Jesus provided on the cross. That when Jesus became one of us and lived the perfect life that we could not live, he then died the death that we deserve, and his blood shed for us covers all of our sins so that when the Father looks upon us, he no longer sees our sins if we've been purchased under that, if we've repented and believed in Jesus, so that now when he sees us, he sees us as white as snow. The crimson blood of Christ has washed away our iniquities, our sins. First Peter 4, 8, Peter says this, saying the same thing. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. So let us then, church, love the wanderers and pursue them just as Jesus has pursued us. This is our mandate. Second part. To do this well, we have to understand the context of the passage because that helps us to understand what everything is steeped in to do such work and actually to live our lives in general, especially though as he gives us this. He's just spent the last six verses talking about praying and how to pray and what to pray for. Look at it in verse 13 through 18. Look with me. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And he gives this little cool story about Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Can you imagine praying a prayer like that and it happening? And we've been praying for rain to get rid of this pollen. Amen? But can you imagine just saying like, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray earnestly to rid everybody of all this horrible stuff going on in their sinuses. Would you bring it down? And what if he did right then? I mean, that's the kind of God we serve. You may think, well, I'm not righteous enough to pray that for that to be effective. And I'm here to tell you that although this man pursued the Lord, Elijah was a man after God's own heart. Our righteousness in the eyes of God is not even upon our own merits, but it's upon the merits of Jesus. And so he hears us because we have an advocate with the Father. So when we pray, God hears our prayers. When we pray in line with his will, God not only hears them, he does them. And he yearns for us to pursue the wanderers, just like he's pursued us when we were wandering. So the way we have to do this, we have to understand restorers, that's who we are. We're restorers, we're reconcilers. Restorers must be praying for those who are wandering. I know you do. I know many prayed for me before I was brought to faith, after I left the church. Many, many prayed for me. People I didn't even know were Christians at that point in time. I later found out were praying for my soul. You may never know the impact of your prayers. You may never know the impact of your efforts. But I promise you, your prayers do not go unheard before our Father who loves you so much he gave you Jesus. 
And those prayers might be saved up to the right moment. But He hears your prayers. And your prayers can be effective. And we must be praying for those who wander. The whole thing is steeped in right before he gets to these words, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Jesus prayed for you and me. Did you know that? He specifically prayed for you and for me. You may think that's a crazy statement. In John 17, we see it. He says this in John 17, verses 20 through 23. He tells the Father as he's praying, I don't ask for these only, talking about the disciples. I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the, wor so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. The Lord has been praying for us as wanderers to be reunited together under the gospel, that we might be united as one. This is God's prayer to bring unity for us. The Son of God praying for us 2,000 years ago in order for this to happen. So we best be believing that he will hear our prayers as we pray for those who wander, as he prays and advocates for us. Listen, it sounds a little crazy to think that we're going to be the ones who do this. He says, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. One of the commentators, another guy, J.A. Mortier, says this. It's very, very insightful. Listen to this. We cannot but be struck by the fact that James speaks of the concerned believer as bringing back, saving, and covering the sins of the one in error. Surely these are things which only God can do. Only God can forgive sins, save us from them, and give us the gift of repentance by which we return from our personal far country. How can we do these things then? The answer is that we cannot, but we must act as if we could. The words express the measure of the concern and effort we are called to expend in our spiritual concern for those in spiritual need. Though we cannot convert them, we must labor to do so. Though we cannot save them from death, we must strive for their spiritual welfare as if their eternal destiny rested with us. Though we cannot cover their sins, we must follow the example of the Son of God who can do so and hold nothing dear to ourselves and no sacrifice too great if only they are saved. For the local church of which James speaks is a fellowship of concern. This is who we are to be. So let us endeavor to pray for those who wonder, asking God to bring them home. And let us pray and ask God to give us wisdom that we might walk in the Spirit as we seek to bring back the wanderers. Next, I'm going to step outside this passage a little bit, but it's implied here. I'm going to go to Galatians 6.1. To do this, we must pursue wanderers not only in love, not only in prayer, but with humility and gentleness. You may think, I'm kind of tired of trying to be humble. It's hard. <laughs> Anybody else struggle with humility? Just me? Okay. I'll pray for you too. You see, God's plan is to use human beings to keep his people. 
You realize that? We are the plan. We're not plan B. God sent Jesus to do the heavy lifting on the cross. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to indwell believers who he sends out as reconcilers and restorers to give the message of reconciliation. That's who we are. So people bring back sinners to the way of Jesus, sinners reaching out to sinners to bring them to his church. Friends seeking friends. That's what we're called to do. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Our efforts must always be steeped in an attitude of humility and gentleness. This is certainly difficult when people hurt us, isn't it? Or is that just me? When people hurt us, it's really easy to write them off. It's really easy to get angry and lash out. It's really easy to grumble about them and to just talk to other people about them. But what we're called to do is to be like Jesus and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Those sins were covered on the cross. So therefore, I'm going to love them with the gospel and grace of Jesus. It's really hard because we have a hard time getting the plank out of our own eyes so that we can see the speck in someone else's eye who's wandering. That's why James talks about it in chapter 4. In chapter 4, verses 6 through 10, this is what he says. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. He goes on and says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Our job is not to sit in judgment over the wanderers. Our job is to pursue them. There's already a judge. That's his job. Our job is to love and pursue. Prayerfully, humbly, gently pursue. I don't know about you. I've pursued some people in my lifetime for the sake of the gospel. Sometimes it's well-received. Oftentimes it's not. But it doesn't change the fact that we're meant to do it. And when we remember how much humility and grace and mercy that God has shown in pursuing us, then we can have the same attitude of Christ as we seek to bring the wanderers home. And this is what we're meant to do. Number four. You ready? You ready? Okay. This is the hardest one for most of us. And I'm going to use a word that most of us don't like to use, but I think it's the most appropriate word. Not only do we have to love them, pray for them, Pursue them in gentleness and humility, in love, as we pray for them, walking in the Spirit. But we also need to confront wanderers. Just hang on to that word. Confront wanderers for the sake of their souls. I don't mean confront in a negative way. I mean confront in the simplest form of that word. And what I mean by that is we have to make contact and know that it might be 
not an easy thing to do in the conversation. In Jude 22 and 23, it says this, And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And Jude is dealing exclusively with false teachers and watching the false teachers like white people out of the church. And Jude says to the people at the end, go and snatch some out of the fire. Go grab those who are wandering. Go get them. Snatch them out of the fire. It's a very violent action if you think about it, right? I mean, people see things burning. Not many run into the fire to grab people out. Those who do, we call heroes. But we're not going to be heroes. That's what Jesus did for us. We're going to become more like our hero, the ultimate hero, who's Jesus. Wanderers should be pursued so that we can snatch them out of the fire. This is serious business. You know why? Because souls are at stake. Now listen, hear me right. Just because somebody wanders away doesn't mean they're lost. You ever seen those t-shirts, all those who wander are not lost? For campers and hikers, yeah? Just because somebody wanders doesn't mean they're lost spiritually either. It doesn't mean that they're, they're gone. It doesn't mean that they've fallen away from the faith and they really were believers because what we see in Scripture is, is that if you are His, you will persevere to the end. We will struggle, we will fail, we will fall, but we will be His because He holds us. Our perseverance is up to Him. But sometimes we don't know if someone is a believer. And we should always be caring for one another in our small groups, in our faith family, in our families. So if we see actions, activities, or things that happen that lead people to walk in such a way that they are not walking in line with the gospel, we must go to them with the gospel in hopes that they turn back and confront them with that because souls are at stake. Listen to what he says back here in James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. Spiritual death, he's talking about here, and will cover a multitude of sins. Because we don't know, just like with anybody else, I don't know if you're really a Christian. I don't know your heart. You don't know if I'm really a Christian. I don't know if people who have left our church are Christians. I don't know if people who are staying in our church are Christians. I don't know if my family are Christians. I don't know that. What I know is I look for clues of people walking out of step with the gospel, and I need to go to them with the hope of the gospel humbly and gently any opportunity, any chance I get to do that with them. Sometimes they don't want to hear it. Sometimes they're just having a bad day. It's not because you're preaching at them. It's because you're saying, hey, how... Are you okay? What's going on? I'm concerned for you. You look like you're struggling. I love you. Can I pray for you? Can I walk with you? Their souls are at stake. Maybe. Listen to the things it says in Scripture about the necessity of us going to others and warning them. Old Testament, Ezekiel 3.18. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, God says, and you give him no warning, Ezekiel, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. 
Or Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.13, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with them that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Colossians 1.28, Him we proclaim, Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Or Galatians 2, that's where we picked up earlier, where Paul comes and sees Cephas not acting in accord with the gospel. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For certain, before, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? You see, it doesn't mean that someone who wanders is not a Christian. Peter was a believer in Jesus, but Peter had stepped away from the gospel for a minute. And Paul went to him because he loved him. It's easier not to go. It's easier to walk away. It's easier to write off. It's easier to talk about it to someone else. It would have been easier for Paul to write about it, but do nothing about it. But what did Paul do? Because of the great love which God has loved him and pursued him, Paul went to Cephas and confronted him in love to show him the error of his ways. This is our way, brothers and sisters. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Jesus never says it will be easy. In fact, he says it will be difficult. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The way of Jesus in pursuing the wanderer is difficult and messy. Do you realize that? If church isn't messy, it's probably not being done right. Did you hear me? If you're not engaged in relationships that get messy because of the gospel, then we're either not being missional enough or we're not being invested enough in people's lives around us. It's not fun, but it's necessary. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's not something that comes natural but it's something that God did for us and he's making it natural in us as he shapes us into the image of his son, Jesus. We are called to love and pursue one another, especially when it's difficult, because that's what Jesus did for us. Even, when we were, even while we were his enemies, he pursued us to the point of death, even death on the cross, in utter shame, under the full weight of our sin, under the full wrath of his father, all together, the wrath that we should all endure for all eternity, he endured for us. Not easy, necessary. Out of his love, because he yearned for us, even while we're sinners and enemies. Because outside the gospel, there is no hope for our sins or our iniquities. Outside the gospel, there is no saving of souls. And the only way it could happen 
is if God sent his son to save us. And the only way it could happen is if Jesus willfully did it. And the only way it could happen is if he willfully died and then rose again. And now he sent that same power into us by the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us to do what is difficult for the sake of his glory. So, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. But lastly, remember this. Keep watch over your own souls. Keep watch over your own souls as you pursue the wanderers. That Jude passage again, 22 and 23. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear. Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. That fear is a healthy fear. Because it's easy to get sucked into the downward spiral of wandering. It's easy to get distracted about what's important. This is why it's so important that we remain in a state of prayer, drawing near to God as we endeavor to win back those who are wandering. Let us make sure we're not drawn off into vain discussions, into things that don't really matter. But let us stay focused on the serious ramifications of those who wander away and never return to the local expression of the body of Christ. Those are the ones we should be most concerned with, those who are not engaged somewhere in a faith family, those who are not seemingly walking in a way that looks like Jesus anymore. I think about the story. I'm not going to read it. Luke 15 where Jesus tells the story that we call the prodigal son, right? The son runs off after asking for his inheritance, spitting in his dad's face, goes off, squanders it all away in this crazy party living, ends up with nothing, works up in his mind what he's going to do to get back into his, God, his father's good graces just to be a servant on his dad's farm. Comes back, but his dad is looking for him. Right? His dad is looking for him. Our Heavenly Father is looking for you. Maybe you're the wanderer today. Maybe you're the one who's wandered in your heart. You're not just wandering away from the local faith family in person or wandering away from the church 20 years ago. Maybe you're wandering in your heart right now. And right now, God is calling out to you. He's looking for you. And he has got you here today to hear the news that today is the day for you to turn back to him. And he's looking for you like the father was looking for his son. And when he saw his son coming, you know what he did? He ran to him. Because he loves us like that. He's the father who has the ring and the robe and everything, but he doesn't hold on to that and stand upright and act like you should grovel. He runs to you because he loves you and he wants you. And he loves you so much he was willing to give his own son for you. And he runs to you and he embraces you because he loves you. And we are to be like him and running and embracing those who might turn back being careful not to let ourselves get drawn into things that draw us away from the Lord, but running to him, running to her, like God might be running to you today. And let us be careful not to become like the older brother. Do you remember him, that part of the story we don't talk about too much? The older brother who when the party's going on, he comes in, he hears the party, he sees the fatted calf being spun up on the grill, getting ready to be dined upon by the party, everybody's invited, and he gets mad. And he won't go into the party. Let that never be like us. Look, you've probably been hurt by someone that you're thinking of right now. You've probably been hurt by someone that might even be in this room. 
My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Is there something in your heart right now that is keeping you from loving someone else in this room, in this faith family, in your family, someone who's wandered, someone who hasn't wandered? Is there someone keeping you from loving them like their sins are covered and washed away by the blood of Jesus? Today is a day of repentance for all of us. Today is a day of change for all of us. May our hearts be softened for those with whom we had adversarial thoughts or hurts or feelings. May our hearts yearn for the restoration of those who might have wandered. May our wandering hearts be turned back to the Lord who chases us down continually, no matter how many times we stray from Him. Today is a day for chasing down the wandering, even ourselves being chased down by the Lord through his word this morning. Amen. That is good news. That is good news. I'm going to pray for us. Our band is going to sing some music, and I want you to think for a moment and pray before you decide what you're going to do. Maybe you don't need to sing in this moment. Maybe God's lifted your heart and you need to praise him in song. Do it. Maybe the Lord has put someone or something on your heart that you need to go before him with and you need to lay it down at the feet of Jesus this morning. If that's the case, do it where you are. Do it on these steps. Do it on your knees, at your chair. Whatever you need to do to be right with the Lord and to step back in, to not wander anymore. You see, we often think of wandering, of running away from the church or running away from the faith and running away from another brother. It could be that we've just walled up inside against a brother or sister, even a spouse, even a child, a parent, a friend. Today's the day we take it back to Jesus and let him wash it away and cover that all in the blood so it's washed away forever. Let our hearts be right before him. And then you can sing to the Lord then we're ready to be the church we're called to be, the one who chases down the wanderers. Father, we need your goodness and your kindness and your mercy and your grace right now. Our hearts, so prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. For you, a God who pursues sinners, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for pursuing us even today by your word, by your spirit, in the name of your son Jesus, and for your glory and for our joy, and for the salvation of souls. Lord, we need you now. Or maybe there's some here that have never even tasted of your grace until this morning. I pray that you would turn their eyes to you, that you would convict them of sin by your spirit, that they would repent and turn to Jesus as the only way as our only Lord and Savior, and that they would find redemption today, that they would find hope today. For we all need your hope today, Lord. For you are good, and you are kind, and you are gracious, and you are fervently pursuing us. You are continually seeking us. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be like you. Lord, we ask that in your Son, Jesus' name. We ask it for your glory, for our joy, for the salvation of souls, for the restoration of brothers and sisters. And we ask it, Lord, that we might walk in a way where the burden is light as we cast our cares upon you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helps you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to make apprentices of Jesus by being a family for families.